building on the last two episodes of the Business Storytelling Podcast in which we discussed strategic planning and brand building. In this episode, we will talk about social media specifically with Jennifer Ratke, who is based in Minneapolis, Minnesota in the U.S. and is the CEO of the National Institute of Social Media. Please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us to another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer Radke. She's the CEO of the National Institute for Social Media. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. So really, I was very excited to, to um, ask you to come on, to, to have you agree to come on, especially the sequence of events here. We've, we talked about um, how to come up with your strategy a couple episodes ago. Then we talked about how do you actually do it? How do you brand yourself? How do you tie it all together with um, with your company? Uh, and you you guys focus on social media strategy. Um, first of all, talk about what is the National Institute for Social Media? What, what do you do? What um, How can people interact with you? Yeah, so we actually help people elevate their credibility social media. And we do that through training and then an industry standardized certification. So depending on where mostly marketers or communications professionals are, where they're feeling that they need some assistance, we can, we can help them out um, with education that they need to better do their job or to get that next job that's in line with their um, professional growth. And so interesting, I don't know if I ever told you my opinion on certifications and trainings and, and master's degrees and whatever, right? There, there's always something else you can learn. Um, and I, I kind of um, put that on the back burner. But recently, I took, um, I, I got three certifications through the HubSpot Academy. And I don't know if you know how that works, but basically you, you, you uh, take the course, you take the exam, and then you get the certification. And it was just amazing mm -hmm. to me how many, I mean, I, you know, I'm a list account marketer, but it was amazing to me how many people were like, congratulations for being a certified content marketer. And so those certifications, they do help. I mean, people pay attention to them. They really do. And in social media, one of the key things for employers or for even clients who are hiring uh, freelancers or independent consultants is the idea of continuing education. So many certifications like the one we offer at the National Institute for Social Media require that people are constantly learning and keeping their skills up to date. And in an industry like social media, that is imperative. I mean, things change every day. Every day. So how do you, uh, what do you teach people? What do you focus on? Is it uh, mostly uh, strategy or mostly um, diving into the, how do you implement things or how, like, uh, what's your philosophy on that? Yep. Our philosophy and our focus is on strategy, making sure that people understand why they're doing the things that they're doing in social media. And then they have the tools and resources to dig in and figure out tactically how they should apply that to whatever platform that they're spending time on. Unfortunately, most businesses think that they should just be where everybody is and that means every platform. And that's not true. They need to take a minute, <clears throat> figure out what they're trying to achieve, who their audience is, and determine then where they should be and the type of content that's most beneficial. Right. How do you, how do you know you reached a goal if you didn't even know what the goal was? 
right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I, uh, I gained a bunch of muscle because I lifted weights, but I, I actually wanted to lose weight. So I didn't reach my goal. Um, but I look in shape, I guess. Um, just an example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, well, there you go. It's <laughs> a good example. So when you, so talk about, the, so when you come up with a strategy, right, you help people to th- think strategically, how do you still keep up with some of the new things in social media? And, and are there any noticeable new things that, that you've noticed recently that, that are worth discussing? Yeah, and I'm sure you've seen some of these too. Some notable changes recently uh, around uh, governance, honestly, in compliance. So there was um, the GDPR in the UK. There's, the, there's a new... Um, bill it's in California, um, and then FTC is constantly making updates to their regulations and what they're calling um, advertisements and what they're not. Instagram uh, recently, you know, made some changes to how influencers, seen, especially in certain industries like weight loss, as you were talking about earlier, and the types of products that they uh, can and can't promote there based on body image. Um, there's just so many things that are coming in around kind of the health and the authenticity um, behind social media activities. And that's going to, you know, take uh, effect in privacy. It's going to take effect in, um, I think, more laws before we see <laughs> some more autonomy come back into play. In addition to that, you've got platforms that are constantly Um, making things easier for the user, you know, brands that are um, trying to say, you know what, we want your people to engage. So one example that I can think about is LinkedIn um, fairly recently rolled out some opportunities for brands to alert their employees to the content that's been pushed out from the brand page so that the employee is aware of that content can share it or engage with it. Um, It's also allowed brand pages to request um, likes. So as an administrator of a page, I can go out and invite my connections to like the page that I manage. And so those are a couple of different ways that they're trying to to kind of make those um, connections easier from the brand. Yeah, so LinkedIn, I, I've seen a lot of changes on LinkedIn, too. I also saw the, the webinar function. I don't know if you've seen that. You can host your webinar on LinkedIn now, invite people, and they can sign oh, up. That's one I haven't seen. That's um, great. Yep, I saw it one time. I didn't think it worked very well because there was no – as much as I'm on LinkedIn, you know, but I uh, it didn't send me an uh, invite, so it wasn't on my calendar. And as you know, if it's not on the calendar, that's half the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I find very interesting, my philosophy still remains, I mean, to this day, that employers don't own um, social media accounts of their employees, right? And, and they want to be very careful how they ask for, for anything. Uh, please consider. I guess it's as simple as saying, please consider sharing this, Right. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, do you still see a lot of brand pages sharing really, uh, I mean, mostly marketing gobbledygook or are you seeing any brands that are sharing, uh, really good, valuable content or, I mean, has it, has that started shifting yet from your experience? It is still predominantly marketing, uh, garbage, unfortunately, and it's sporadic, but there are brands who are getting out there and really uh, doing a great job of sharing content, sharing um, <clears throat> culture, 
you know, mm-hmm. showing what their employees are up to, highlighting um, successes, trying to give their community some insight into what that brand is about more than just simply what they sell. And please, as we're kicking off 2020, dear brands, if you're listening, do not use stock art images to show off your culture. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> but you've seen the stock art images, right, Jennifer? I mean, you have to admit it. You have, uh, oh, of course. The, the diverse group of employees that don't work there pointing at the monitor and smiling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, promoting some events that they have coming up or, or just had, you know, as if it was actually there. And yeah, it's not a good idea. So be real, which is, of course, why, uh, why, why uh, the networks are rolling out some of those functions, because they want the employees to engage. The other thing, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I had a show about this on here, or I blogged on it uh, on AuthenticStorytelling.net, one of the two, um, is that the FTC in November here actually released uh, who is an influencer. And interestingly, they, they said employees are in- they have to disclose when they are posting about their company. And I assume that's because if they're still employed there, they probably will only post positive things. (laughs) Yep, that's my assumption as well. Yeah, and so that is going to take some adjustment time, I'm sure, for brands and employees. There's been a lot of employees out there who simply love what they do and love the company that they um, work for. And so they share information out not feeling as though they're making uh, necessarily a, a pitch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so making that change to add that they're an influencer or that it's a, a sponsored ad might be a challenge for some of them to get on board with. Yeah. So I actually, I mean, I, we're not going to get into the legal um, area here, I guess, but, but I, so on LinkedIn though, so on Twitter, I'm not even saying where I work, right? It just says, blah, 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 you know, content marketer, et cetera, et cetera. But on LinkedIn, it clearly states, I mean, in my, well, I guess in my summary line, it doesn't say that either. Um, But it does say where I work, right? So, I mean, I wonder if Mm -hmm. that's enough or do you have to say I work there um, or do you even have to say sponsored? Um, I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be interesting to see where the courts fall in that. And of course, any brands that are listening will want to consult with their legal team as this evolves. Exactly. This is not personalized advice and definitely not legal advice. And the other thing I noticed the other day, I heard this on another podcast, um, Facebook has moved up the more button. So it's showing less text. I don't know if you've heard that. Um, so that's uh, going to be interesting as well to see if you can actually draw people in to read your stuff. Hopefully it will encourage people to use content that clearly tells the reader what it is they're going to be experiencing instead of a bunch of random nonsense to kind of um, just fill space. (laughs) Right. Well, maybe that is why they move the the more button up. So as we're talking about um, branding, uh, you know, what are, what are some of the tips? What can people do to, to actually share stuff that people want to read? And it's, it's a fine line, right? Because, I mean, I even, I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of years ago, I published a video, uh, the, the mean tweets video, right? The, everything the mean people have said to me. And of course, I tried to pride myself in, in telling authentic stories and good stories. But imagine, 
not everybody agreed with that, right? I mean, some people were like, well, this is garbage, or why is this a story, or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So how, you know, so not everybody always agrees. I guess that means you have an audience, too, because, you know, you can't please everybody. But what tips do you have? What have you seen working for for brands and uh, and professionals to, to build their brand on social media? Yeah, and I think it all goes back to strategy that we were talking at, about at the beginning and really kind of understanding who are you online and what is it that you want um, to share, but not stop there. Understand who your audience is and what is it that they want to hear about, right, and what they value. So, um, for example, I'll talk about two different uh, kind of platforms so one is my facebook following or friends right they're very uh very much my friends and family network yeah there are some work-related people in there or people i have met speaking around the country but they don't really consume content or information that i find valuable on social media strategy instead they love the tactical things Uh, how to take a really great picture with your iPhone or what's changed in Facebook groups because most of them are part of some sort of a group on Facebook. And so those are the types of things that are still true to my brand, but speak to the audience on Facebook. On LinkedIn, however, they do want to hear and see the strategy information, those pieces that um, are at the core of what we do and I do even as a trainer individually and as a business leader. Um, It's about being authentic to you, but also not just adding noise out there. Mm -hmm. and, and, and know who your audience is, right? And the networks, yeah. the networks certainly change. I mean, one of the ones you, you see in the news all the time, uh, TikTok. Um, and I, I've learned, I learned more about TikTok from, I went to VidCon last year, you know, the, one of the best, I mean, unbelievable. Have you been to that conference in Anaheim? I haven't been. Nope, I haven't been to it, but I've heard <laughs> lots about it. So, you know, I really, I went because my daughter wanted to go, but it's actually a really good content. I mean, it's actually fits with what I do, right? Even though I'm, I don't wear costumes, but there's like 75,000 <laughs> people. And seriously, everybody wears a costume. It, I mean, that's what I would, you know, there's no suits, no ties, no, you know, dresses like that. Like you, you, you see it or, or, you know, uh, professional outfits, you see other conferences and it's really like this. You go to a booth and they say, hey, why don't you go down this 90-foot slide, and when you come back down, we can talk about content creation. <laughs> you know? It's, huh. I mean, it's kind of a circus, but it's, but it's I mean, that's what, what the people who go to those shows, they will expect <laughs> things like that from other conferences, right? So in five years, they work for some big brand, and, you know, they'll go to, uh, we won't name any conferences, but some conference who has, like, they have a, just regular booth, they're going to be like, well, this is pretty boring. What do I do in these booths? <laughs> There's no slot. Um, but, you know, TikTok is interesting. So TikTok, I've noticed uh, they're, they're stepping up. Um, they're, they're, they're currently hiring. It looks like a whole marketing team to me. I saw a head of marketing in the U.S., a performance marketer. That was something else. And then they're also hiring uh, these, um, I think they call them brand ambassadors on college campuses. So I'm picturing, you know, like what, what Bud Light used to do, right? The ambassadors, they go around mm -hmm. and, and they do, you know, they, they get you to use TikTok. Uh, what's your opinion on emerging networks like that, if that's even a term? I mean, can brands use them or 
you know, what's the, what's the secret sauce, I guess, or how do you fit them into your strategy? Yeah. And I love that you bring that up. So the example about them going on to college campuses tells me who their audience is. Mm -hmm. And so if you are a brand who has an audience that matches up with what the platform uh, is appealing to, so in this case, you know, college kids or younger, then absolutely, I think there's a place for you to be there early on. The caution that I usually give brands there is to make sure that one, it fits into your strategy and the audience is the right place, that you're not just jumping on to the shiny new toy, right? But mm-hmm. the, the secondary piece is that you have the resources to actually go in and do it well. So do you have somebody to um, really kind of understand what TikTok can do for you? Do you have the creative team or the folks that will be on the camera to create those um images and videos that that they need to be engaging with their audience because it's not just about putting your um your business on the platform it's about actually then engaging with the audience that's there yeah it's about doing something that actually fits the platform and so uh tiktok right bought musically a while ago and so so basically um, that's, I think, where a lot of the music came from. And, and people still do interesting things. I mean, sometimes I, I joke and I say, I don't really have to be on TikTok because all the stuff that takes off on TikTok makes it to Twitter, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's or Facebook even to an extent. Um, but interestingly, there I have seen a move a little bit, not like 100 percent, but but there's more and more TikToks where people are just talking to the camera and you know what I mean? Like they're not doing a dance or they're not running off the basketball court, you know, in unison or whatever. I don't know if you've seen that one where the, the kids are doing that. Uh, and typically there are kids. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe there is a trend in, in doing some of those other things that are more what, what uh, brands are used to. I don't, I don't know. Well, and I would be curious to see, you know, who is doing that and is it actually being consumed or responded to by the audience in a positive way? Um, There might be brands out there pushing that more, I guess, what I would call traditional or universal content, but it may not be successful in reaching the audience and the goals that they have. And so it's always about making sure that you know what the platform can do for you, but also what can you do for the audience on that platform? How can you add value, not just add noise? Right. Yep. Good advice. Uh, what other platforms do we have to think about? What What other news is out there that's uh, worth sharing? Anything else top of mind, Jennifer? Well, you were talking just a little bit earlier about how um, when something gets big on TikTok, it heads to Twitter. And when I think <laughs> about branding, That's actually the platform, Twitter is actually the platform that I hear the most often that people just don't understand. And that one too, I think is because people jump on and they follow the recommendations the platform gives you as far as who to follow and forget about who they're actually trying to connect with and what their Mm -hmm. goals are on that platform. Um, And so this isn't necessarily anything new, but it might be for some people who have been frustrated with Twitter that Twitter doesn't have to be political. It doesn't have to be uh, what the Kardashians are up to, right? It doesn't have to be uh, what people had for lunch. It really is based on how you kind of create a community there and who you engage with and listen to. 
um, for me, I don't see any of that, you know, kind of pop culture noise or even political noise because I don't follow that stuff. Um, but I have meaningful conversations with people in marketing and communications and business leadership across the globe. And so I think at the core, it goes back to just really understanding what these platforms can do for us and what it is we're trying to have them do for us and making sure they're in alignment. So that might be the headline for the podcast. Jennifer Radke does not participate in political Twitter. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> just, just kidding. But it's funny because um, I actually don't, um, I don't read political news on Twitter either. I mean, well, I, so I read the news media, right? So like the New York Times, Washington Post. So they do cover politics, of course. So in that sure. vein, I do read that, but I'm not, I don't pay attention to, you know, the real Donald Trump or any, anybody else who is not those two outlets, right? Talking about politics. So I don't participate in that at all. And then the other thing, uh, I follow a lot of marketing things on Twitter, uh, marketing people, change agents, digital transformation, et cetera, et cetera. And I also follow sports. And I'm not a big fan of uh, the whole where people, you know, they, they watch a game which I may or may not be watching. And they go, yes. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yes to what? <laughs> I'm yeah. not sitting. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sitting in the room next to you. So I don't even know what that is referring to. Um, but I do follow sports. And now Twitter, of course, has rolled out the topics. So have you seen that? You can follow the topics. Yep. And have you, yep. have you seen any success with that? I personally, I, I was I looked at like the maybe I'm just getting too old here. That's an easy excuse, right? Um, <laughs> I was looking at the topics and it said something about creators and they had like eight people you could follow. And I said, I don't know any of these people and I didn't follow them. And now maybe I'm thinking, you know, now I'm starting to think maybe I should follow them. <laughs> but have you seen any success with the topics or what's the what you, what's your opinion on that for brand and consumers? You know, at this time, I haven't actually spent a lot of time researching topics, so I can't say that I have a positive or negative reaction at this point. I think what all brands, including Twitter, are trying to do is make it easier for people to join the conversation. And um, if they're successful in doing that, then I think there should be some positive outcomes. Um, but I, like I said, I just haven't spent enough time really kind of paying attention and researching how it's working for brands and people and, and how it would be working for me. Um, I'm not spending time there now. Yep. So, well, I, and there's just, there's like 300. It's not, it's pretty early on, but that's kind of how it goes, right? Everything gets rolled out in phases anymore. Um, well, and there's like, yeah, there's like five choices to, you know, entertainment, gaming, hobbies, music, radio, and sports. And, and those, I don't say that anything that I really follow a lot on Twitter follows into any of those. And so <laughs> it, it makes it a little bit more challenging. Right. Uh, as we have almost 12 months left in 2020, um, any predictions, anything else, I mean, I, anything else people should be aware of as they're uh, kicking off 2020? Oh, 2020, I think you're going to continue to see um, privacy taking a forefront, not only for Facebook, but for all online um, conversations and platforms. Video, I believe, is going to continue to be a hot trend, um, telling that story in a form that doesn't just make people read, but allows you to kind of engage with the nonverbals as well. 
Um, I know I've heard some scuttle around whether or not, you know, the whole SEO world is going to change because of um, all of the voice activated um, marketing devices like the Alexa and Amazon mm -hmm. Echo. I honestly don't think we're going to see a whole lot of that changing in 2020, um, but it is something to kind of watch for as we go forward. So interestingly, uh, very, uh, I'll do a, um, I'll be careful with this promotion because we still have to record it, but we will have uh, a digital privacy expert on in a couple episodes, hopefully here if the connection works. Uh, so we'll talk more, more about that topic on privacy regulations, what will happen uh, and policies around that. That's, I, I agree with that, Jennifer. That's, that is probably going to happen. It's going to be an uphill battle, I think, because everybody already has our information. What are they going to do? Just give it back? Um, sounds <laughs> right. Sounds simple in theory, but I, I don't know. Um, yeah. and, and then um, SEO, what's interesting about SEO, which is interesting you brought that up because it, I mean, who would have thought about SEO traditionally as social media, right? But it's all kind of connected. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it, it's just interesting. So I was just invited actually about, uh, you know, middle of December, so about three weeks ago, uh, to the Google Cameo, I think that's how you say it, the Google Cameo project, Cameo, C-A-M-E-O. So that's my German accent, in case you didn't understand <laughs> what I just said. But basically what that project is, if you have a Google knowledge graph, which I have, um, they're inviting specific people to leave video answers to commonly asked questions. Of course, since I'm invited, I'm going to do it, right? But there is a real danger, in my opinion, that when that actually, when they start showing those video answers, guess what won't happen? People won't click. There's nothing to click, right? They can just watch my video on Google mm -hmm. on, the, on the results page. Um, so it's just uh, SEO, just like social media. It's, I, I mean, uh, there's a lot of changes coming, in my opinion, and um, we have to remember everybody, they're all their own business too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's to take a deep breath, not panic about the changes that are coming, but watch them and make sure we're <clears throat> making relative uh, to us changes. And so what some companies are jumping into or making huge adjustments in may not be appropriate for every organization based on what their goals are and where they are in the first place. <laughs> that, that is good advice. Take a deep breath. Don't panic because it's going to change again anyways. Um, I, I was joined by Jennifer Ratke, National Institute for Social Media. Jennifer, where can people go to uh, sign up uh, to, or to check out the certificates and, and consider signing up? Yeah, they can visit us on our website at nismonline.org, uh, or they can follow us on social at nismpulse. I always find acronyms really hard to remember, and that stands for National Institute Social Media, NISM.org. Is that what it was? NISM.org. Uh, Online.org. Awesome. So check that out. Uh, consider um, any of the certificates that can help you in your career. Jennifer, thanks for joining us. Thanks for the tips and the insight, and um, have a good uh, 2020. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Wishing you the best as well. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until